You're listening to East of the Rockies, the Michigan Student Softball Podcast on WCBN Sports. Well, Mr. Burns had done it. The power plant had won it. With Roger Clemens clucking all the while. Mike Sosha's tragic illness made us smile. While Wade Boggs lay unconscious on the barroom tile, we're talking softball. From Maine to San Diego, talking softball. Manningly and Canseco, Ken Griffey's grotesquely swollen jaw. Steve Sachs and his running with the law. We're talking Homer, Ozzy and the Straw. Welcome back to East of the Rockies Season 4, Episode 4, I think now. Yeah, sounds like, mm-hmm. sounds right. Okay. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Drain, joined today by Charlie Brigham. Two-man episode. It's right before spring break, so things are oh, little moving pieces, everybody all over the place. Lucas is on his way to Penn State for women's basketball, um, and we are just about one day away from heading out to California for the Judy Garman Classic, which we will preview at the tail end of this episode. But first, we will sort of go through last weekend, and then I'll talk briefly about what other teams in the Big Ten are up to in non-conference play. But before we do that, it is a snowstorm here today in Ann Arbor. uh, We're recording on a Wednesday. There was no school for Ann Arbor Public Schools today. We had to trudge through the blizzard, and it's kind of been a weird one because it's been snowing basically for like, I don't know, 12, 16 straight hours off and on. Yeah, earlier this week, it was beautiful. Like Yeah, the weekend was close to 50. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wore shorts to class first two days of the week, or at least Monday, and then just past two days, yeah, it just started snowing and hasn't stopped. Yep, so that's where we are, but uh, again, we will be following the team out to warmer climates, but until then, uh, a quick look back at last weekend, the Gamecock Invitational, which was pretty rough. Uh, Michigan ends up going 1-3 and three on a weekend where the expectation was 3-1, and one. Um, so things did not quite go as planned, and the biggest culprit really uh, was the offense. Michigan, over the weekend, ends up scoring seven runs in four games, and in three of those four, they scored one or less. The first game against Liberty, they managed to win with just the one run thanks to really, really nice pitching from Alex Taraco and Megan Bobian. Taraco, five and two-thirds, 13 strikeouts, four hits, two walks, no runs allowed. Bobian, one and a third scoreless innings to close it out and get the save. The one run, a Lou Allen RBI single for Juju Jimenez, but in hindsight, it kind of proved to be foreshadowing for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, we just couldn't hit the ball all weekend. I mean... For our averages for the four games over the weekend were 227, 250, 83, and 240. Yeah. We just couldn't put the ball in play. Yeah, Michigan definitely struggled um, at the plate. In particular, I was talking to some people who were down there, um, questions about the two-strike approach in particular, um, where Michigan was really struggling uh, to be behind in, in counts. But they were able to win that Liberty game, and so things were able to... To, to still seem okay heading into Saturday. Michigan went to to 10-0 and at that point. And then Saturday, the first game against Iowa State was kind of a replay of the Liberty game in some sense, where 
It is one to one all the way to the seventh inning. Michigan gives up a solo homer uh, to Williams in the first inning, and um, it takes them about five innings to to strike back. Juju Jimenez again involved in the scoring. She was pretty much the lone bright spot on the weekend. Gets an RBI single to score Lauren Esman to make it one to one in the bottom of the fifth, and then it continues at that score into the seventh, and then. Things kind of went off the rails where Megan Bobian had largely been in command. She allows uh, a hit, and I don't know what the throwing error was. I have not been able to talk to, to anybody that uh, gave confirmation of what exactly happened, but there was an infield single and a throwing error marked against the first baseman. It moved a runner up to second with nobody out to lead off the top of the seventh. So Hutch did what you would think she would do. She went to the strikeout hand. Uh, Straco comes in, gives up a bunt single to move the runner up as expected. She gets the big strikeout she needs to now make it two outs, and then things just went completely haywire. I uh, gave up a walk, single, walk, double, and all of a sudden four runs were in. Straco was bounced from the game just like that. They had to bring Chandler Dennis in for her first appearance in collegiate softball, got a strikeout to end the inning. But it was just just shocking to, to see Straco kind of crumble like that after really 10 straight games, but you knew it was coming at some point. I mean, yeah, you knew it was coming, but you just hoped it wouldn't come like that. You'd hope she'd fall, uh, or at least, you know, her play wouldn't continue at such a high level. She had been so dominant so early in the season, and, you know, you knew it was bound to come to an end, but I really wasn't really wasn't looking for it to kind of crash and burn like that. Yeah, and what was really shocking is that, as we've talked about and we'll talk about more, the issue for Michigan's pitching staff has been the homers. They've been really mm-hmm. prone to the long ball this year, and there were no homers in that inning. It was, you know, two walks, but also balls in play, singles and doubles, that that burned her in that situation. And that Michigan, to their credit, seemed like they were going to mount a rally that might have been too little too late, but they got the bases loaded with nobody out to start the bottom of the seventh, and then uh, a strikeout swinging fielder's choice ground out to second ends the game with no runs across. Just kind of the weekend encapsulated in one inning right there, Michigan leaving three aboard. I will say one other thing about this that I just (laughs) noticed. The box score provided on the Michigan website for this game Lists all the usual stuff, date, start time, attendance, site, and then under weather, it says, why is it not warm? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Let me pull up the the box score from the Friday game and see if they did that as well. Uh, Yeah, I need to see this. No, the the Friday one says cloudy and 40. Let's see the South Carolina one for later that day. Weather, why is it not warm? Oh, the South Carolina one says, please get warmer. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Uh, Let me check the Sunday one. Shout out to whoever on MGO Blue did that. You deserve a raise. (laughs) The weather for the Liberty game says, Sunday fun day. (laughs) (laughs) So, regardless of the weekend, at least they gave us that little morsel of humor. They're they're probably sitting there like, no, nobody's going to come check this. We can just... (laughs) Nobody's going to go check the weather. <laughs> uh, South Joke Carolina. We did. The second game, there's really nothing to say. Michigan just couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. They get two hits uh, total in this game. They get one walk, and that's it. Uh, they push no runs across. The homer strikes again. Two-run shot to, uh, by Owens in the bottom of the second off Storaco. She runs into some trouble again. They had to bring Dennis in. In total, Straco goes four and two-thirds, four hits, three runs, two walks, seven strikeouts. Not great, but not 
terrible either, and Michigan just remained hapless at the plate. It was a pretty quick game. They just got bounced right out of, of Saturday with two losses, and you know the hope was still that they could come back on Sunday and rebound and put together a, a better performance on, as MGO Blue calls it, Sunday fun day. Sunday fun day. <laughs> and it seemed like it for a while. Michigan got two runs in the top of the first. Liberty got one back in the bottom half. But a three-run shot by Hannah Carson in the third made it 5-1 Michigan. It was that score to the bottom of the fifth. It just seemed like this game was cruising along. Michigan was in total command. The Dennis started this game and then ended up getting uh, chased out in the fifth. Two on and one out. Starocko comes in. Gets a strikeout again. She got another situation where she came in, needed a strikeout, and got it. And then with two outs again, got burned. This time, Amber Bishop, three-run shot. That suddenly turn, turned the game just like that, 5-4. to four. Bobian has to come in in relief. Uh, she starts the sixth out with a, a ground out. Then there's a walk. Another ground out moves the runner up. And then a wild pitch, walk, single, ties the game. Michigan goes to the seventh, goes down in order in the top half. And then to lead off the bottom of the seventh, Amber Bishop strikes again, her second homer of the game. And again, the homer problem continues to nag Michigan pitching. They lose in stunning fashion, 6-5 to five to Liberty and end the weekend 1-3. and three. And, you know, you just got to think that that really leaves a bad taste in the mouth of, of the team, especially after it seemed like they were going to win that game. I mean, yeah, again, it goes just back to the same themes have been just popping up in in regards to pitching you know giving up the long ball and walks we had five walks in that yeah. game uh it was just it was tough they earned all their runs so i mean defense is still playing well but five walks is tough five walks and giving up nine hits is tough well and especially two home two of those nine hits right. were home runs and you know the thing with the team right now and, and in regards to that pitching performance is it goes back to something that Hutch said on the first day, the preseason media day, which I uh, did not make our interview with her in that episode and just was something she said that I remembered. Um, she really was not happy with the pitchers uh, on that day and I don't know if it was because of a poor practice, but she basically said that the hitters were barreling them up, that the command was bad. And then Michigan goes out there and through the first 10 games, you know, they might have the best one-two punch in the country. They were untouchable. Or at least one of the, you know, the top five or six, let's say. And so it just seemed bizarre that she was, you know, had that concern about the pitching staff and and what we had seen. But then, you know, in in this weekend, we kind of see some of those issues, the command being a little wild, hard contact. And those are some of the things that Jen Brundage is going to have to iron out with the pitching staff moving forward. Uh, Chandler Dennis on the weekend, her first weekend, finally pitching um she pitches six innings seven hits three runs against two walks two strikeouts a 3.5 era she definitely seemed like what hutch had described in terms of a pitcher who's a little wild a little raw right now a whip of one and a half the walks were actually not as high as i was expecting but it was quite a bit of contact hitters hitting 304 off of her she also hit a batter definitely seems like it's still a work in progress there but at least we now have some evidence of 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 her I mean, first outing's always tough, especially since, I mean, none of these teams we played this weekend were pushovers. They're all solid softball teams. Yeah. And it's just a tough spot to be put in, especially, you know, you're not uh, not playing to the level. If she would have pitched, you know, that first weekend in Tampa or down in uh, North Carolina, that would have been, you know, the team's kind of on a roll. Everybody's, yeah. every, you know, emotions are high. That would have been a, probably even easier, you know, transition into her first appearance. But tough spot to be put into. I... She did the best with what she could. Yeah, she she definitely 
made a... She by no means did a bad job. No. She, I mean, you know, coming in your first appearance, you're down five to one, and, and the team is just reeling two on, two outs, and and then, you know, the first start the next day. So it'll be interesting to monitor her going forward, how much we continue uh, to see of Chandler Dennis heading in to this weekend. But that's kind of last weekend. It was it was a, a tough a tough weekend, a snapback to reality, you might say, for Michigan. But it, it is what it is. It's a learning opportunity. And compared to last year, they're still running well ahead of their pace. They were 6-7 and seven at this juncture last year, 10-3 and three now. So they're still in a fine spot. But this is going to be a really key weekend coming up, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. But first, um, quick look around college softball. Just as a note, this episode is probably going to be Shorter than some of the other ones. Earlier episodes this season went well over an hour. This one, I think, will be about 30 minutes in length just because that recap was pretty quick. We didn't get to see a lot of the games, so there isn't a ton to talk about. Next next week's will be quite a bit longer. But Next uh, week's will be fun. Yeah. Well, hopefully. Hopefully. Fingers uh-huh. crossed. So we're just going to try to fill a little bit of time looking around the Big Ten. I did a bit of research for this. I put this in um, my... This week's Softball Roundup article, which I published on MGO Blog, you can look that up. I plugged that last week, but I am writing softball content now for the best blog in the Michigan blogosphere, so check that out at mgoblog.com. It was published today on Wednesday. This will probably be published Thursday, this episode, so you can go read through that. But essentially, I scouted all the teams Michigan's going to play, and because of the new Big Ten scheduling, the teams Michigan's is going to play are the teams that are the best teams in the Big Ten, maybe save for Illinois. But uh, Michigan will see eight different Big Ten teams in conference play this year, and they're doing various various things. The, the bad is MSU and Maryland. That's kind of expected. MSU 3-10 and 10 on the year. They've lost to Fordham, Southern Illinois, and UMass Lowell. Um, they lost Carla Eccles, who we saw again, uh, on Florida, the transfer last year. Not a lot going on for MSU. Would not expect much from them this year. Maryland five and eight doesn't look that bad, but when they have played real teams, they have been walloped. They lost to Texas seventeen to nothing. They lost to Clemson twenty-one to two, and in that Clemson game, they gave up two grand slams in one inning. So that's insane achievement to Maryland there. That takes some skill to to give that up. But Terps look pretty bad. So those two teams, Michigan, should feel pretty good about. Purdue's 12-3, and three, but they ain't played nobody. Um, they did beat UNC, so there's something there, but they've also lost some some pretty bad games. So, again, that that one not thought to be too stressful. Same thing with Ohio State. On uh, the preseason pod, uh, Kevin and I sort of noted that this was going to be kind of a rebuilding year for, for Ohio State, and that's continued. They lost to UC Santa Barbara last week, who was 10-42 and 42 last year. They got hammered in the ACC Big Ten Challenge by Notre Dame and uh, NC State, they're six and seven on the year. They lost basically everything from last year's team. So, work in progress for the Buckeyes right now. As for the big three that Michigan will play: Minnesota, Northwestern, and Wisconsin. They're all kind of on varying paths right now. Wisconsin's playing really well. Uh, they're eight and six, but they took UCLA and Washington, who are two teams Michigan's going to play in the next week, and who happen to be, by the way, number one and number two in the country. And Wisconsin took them both uh, to not quite extra innings, but they lost in walk-offs to both. Uh, they took UCLA to extras, and they lost to Washington in the bottom of the seventh. So that was pretty impressive. And then they beat Oklahoma. So 
uh, Wisconsin's playing some really good softball right now. Um, they did lose a weird game to SDSU last weekend. It wasn't a very good team last year, but at their best, they are proving that they can they can hang with uh, the best in the country right now. So watch out for Wisconsin. On the flip side, Northwestern's five and nine. Um, that sounds bad, but the good news is that all their losses are to you know really good teams. The bad news is that they aren't really beating any very good teams. They're one and nine. Um, against those sort of really good teams. They lost to uh, Oregon, Florida, Auburn, and Washington all on one weekend last weekend. Uh, They did manage to beat FSU back in Clearwater, which was mentioned on the pod last week, but Northwestern right now is in a tough spot. They already have nine losses, and and you can get into the teens in losses and still host a regional if you if you have a good strength of schedule, and they've played a brutal, brutal schedule, no question, but it doesn't leave them with a ton of margin for error in Big Ten play to still get back to that regional threshold. And for the most part, the Cats have missed their opportunities to bank those sort of high, high-quality wins uh, that they that you need to to host a regional. And then, last but not least, Minnesota's eight and six. It's been pretty, pretty up and down for for Minnesota right now. They went three and two last weekend. They lost to Texas State and Baylor, who are both fine softball teams. Um, they did manage to beat Texas State and, and swept Tulsa, but it's it's kind of a work in progress for the Gophers. I've been kind of surprised at how poorly they've pitched so far, but they do have some decent wins on their resume. They have only have six losses. They're still in good shape. They still are probably going to be a pretty darn good team, even if it's been kind of a pump-the-brakes type thing right now for the Gophers. Um, one more note is that Florida win that we both witnessed back in Tampa is looking pretty good right now yeah, because is. Uh, Florida is now, I believe, 15-2 and two on the year. Um, their only other loss besides to Michigan is to number one UCLA, uh, which was a walk-off in extras. So uh, they they are really proving. There's a lot of questions. Is this the same Florida team? And again, I, I don't think they're as good as they were two or three years ago, but uh, you know, they beat Northwestern, they beat Arizona, they beat Arizona State. They are taking care of business, and, and that is looking like a win that is going to age very, very well for Michigan's resume. Yeah, absolutely. That was, it was a good quality win all the way around. We, you know, Florida's a good team. Like you said, we just came out, punched them in the mouth, and did what we had to do. And especially being a, a, a pretty convincing win, too. I mean, RPI, yeah, exa- RPI doesn't saying. take that they, into account, but, you know, the committee does overall, so there's something to be said for that. Exactly. Um, and it also lessens the need for Michigan to get as many big wins this weekend as they needed to last year because at this juncture last year, Michigan had basically zero good wins on the resume, whereas this year you have at least one uh, in Florida. But you, you still need more, and that's something we'll discuss in a moment. But um, that's pretty much the the recap of the Mary Nutter Classic, which is what a lot of those teams were in, Northwestern, Wisconsin, Florida in particular were all there, as was Washington and UCLA, who's Michigan's about to see quick note on the rankings Michigan's moved down from 8 to 13 this week which feels pretty reasonable um Minnesota has dropped to 18 that seems pretty fair to me Northwestern's been bounced out of the out of the rankings right now Baylor's jumped in meanwhile um UCLA is the near unanimous number one they got 31 first place votes Washington Got one. Michigan's about to see both of them, so it doesn't really matter there. Oklahoma 5, Florida 6 right now. So this is going to be quite a weekend upcoming in terms of the strength of schedule, and that's what we can move into now in this upcoming um, weekend. Michigan will be 
playing at the Judy Garman Classic, they will face five teams over three days, so another grueling tournament schedule, including two on Saturday and two on Sunday. They will see Loyola Marymount, number three, Texas, number 25, Texas Tech, number two, Washington, and Colorado State. That will be hosted at Cal State Fullerton. Just a quick note, we will have all five games streamed on YouTube as usual on youtube.com backslash WCBN Sports. Also, if you happen to live in Ann Arbor and you will be, for whatever reason, in the car or just have a transistor radio in your house, uh, you can listen to the Texas game on 88.3 WCBN-FM. Uh, that will be an on-air broadcast for the Texas game from 5.30 to 7.30 on Saturday. Uh, Flow Softball normally has a paid stream, and I believe they're planning to do that again. But yes. for yeah. people that have used it in the past, I know old friend Jeremy Parks did a couple times in, in past years. It's not great. Um, so buy that at your own, at your own, uh, you know, own risk, make sure it's, it's worth it. Even if it is glitchy and, and kind of low quality, you can also listen to us and buy the stream, sync them up like a lot of people do. So mm-hmm. a lot of ways to consume the games, but we will be there. And just going through the teams Michigan, um, will face Loyola Marymount's the only game they play on Friday. And they're also the worst team in this tournament that Michigan will face, um, they're just barely 500 against not great competition. They have decent power, though. Have a couple really nice hitters, but they lost their two starters from last year, and the team ERA is lagging. I mean, this is a game where, with the poor pitching for the Loyola Marymount Lions, you know, Friday game, first game of the weekend, that's a game where Michigan needs to come out and just hammer the opponent, get a really strong, strong first game, and and get the bats rolling again. I mean, yeah, I couldn't have set up under myself. After that lackluster, to put it, uh, weekend, last weekend, they're going to need to get the momentum back rolling, especially coming up against really good teams. I mean, three ranked teams back-to-back-to-back, Texas, Texas Tech, and Washington. Washington especially scares me. But going into this weekend, we know they can beat good teams. We saw that earlier in the year, and they're just going to need to do their jobs. Yeah, so the Loyola-Marymount game will give them an opportunity to ease into the weekend. But, I mean, again, this is also, it's worth putting things into perspective. There's, I think, over 300-some uh, teams in college. Division One softball, let me look at the RPI, 297. Okay, there's 297 teams. Loyola-Marymount is not very good, but they were 75th in RPI last year. So even in the context of, okay, this is the cupcake, I mean, that's still, you know, that's still a better team than, than Michigan State was last year by RPI, for yeah, example. For sure. So Michigan has to be has to be careful with every team they face. Then on Saturday, they get the first game against Texas, who is number three in the country. They were 11th in RPI last year. For those who have followed this podcast and followed college softball, you know that Texas uh, and head coach Mike White had a sort of weird year last year where Mike White moves from Oregon to Texas and he takes like the whole team with him, including Miranda Ellish, who transfers from Oregon to Texas to follow White. She dominated again last year as the ace of that Longhorn staff. Um, they had a scary regional where they lost their first game to Sam Houston State, but made it into the Supers. They look really good this year. They haven't really played anybody yet. Um, they are two in, two in their last four games, losing to Duke and, and Louisiana Lafayette. But when they have played bad teams, they have just eviscerated them. Um, but I kind of think this is the best opportunity in the weekend to get that that really good win. I'm, I'm a little skeptical of Texas because of their lackluster schedule of sorts, but they are probably very, very good. And Michigan cannot take anything for granted. But Miranda Ellish has 
been really good, but overall the pitching staff has struggled a teeny bit this year, and and so this is an opportunity for Michigan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you don't get to number three in the country by mistake. They're, Texas is a good team. They're going to play good softball, but I do agree with you. Their schedule isn't crazy. Like This is the weekend where we'll find out what Texas is. Let's put exactly. It they have... Four girls hitting over 400, one of them yeah. hitting, the st- the one of them hitting 515 right now. It's like, like just look at Washington, who's just one below them in the ranks, and they have, you know, everybody's consistently hitting 300, and yeah. one's hitting 450. Like, if your entire team is hitting a high 300s, 400s, and even 500, it kind of speaks to your strength of schedule. Yeah, there's something a little off there. You're either playing absolutely just perfect softball, or something's up. <laughs> yeah. And for the most part, they just have not played the best schedule. They've played some good teams, though. And so this is, you know, this is an interesting weekend for Texas. They've got a lot to prove in terms of their top ranking uh, in the polls. But Texas Tech is then the second game on Saturday. Um, Michigan and Texas Tech have played two common opponents, USF and South Carolina. They're both 1-1 one one against those teams, but they've actually reversed each other. Michigan beat USF but lost to South Carolina, and Texas Tech did the reverse. So nothing really to be learned there. Um, Texas Tech was in Clearwater. They beat some teams, lost some teams. They seem to be a dangerous matchup for Michigan, though, because they have great pitching. Aaron Edmondson in particular, 1.06 ERA against really good competition this year. And their offense seems hapless, but what do they have? They have some power, and that... So the dominant pitching home run combo is very, very similar to what Michigan lost to last weekend. And so a lot of danger right there. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't put it better myself. And also, you know, this is something we talked about in Tampa, but when you're playing two games in a day, you have to manage arms. That's going to be a factor mm-hmm. for Michigan. When you got Texas and Texas Tech in the same day, it'll be interesting to see how Hutch manages the pitching staff and how she chooses to to go around things. Washington is Sunday morning, very, very early morning game at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. So normal time here in in Ann Arbor, but it'll be early for us. Um, Washington is number two in the country. They were third in RPI last year. They made the College World Series last year. I have nothing to say other than this team is really, really good. Yeah, they've played a brutal schedule and have almost every hitter on the team hitting over 300. Exactly. And even with some of their best players, I mean, just Sis Bates, Bates, for example, just because, you know, she's everywhere because she's an absolutely phenomenal softball player. She's only played in six games, but she already has 12 hits and is hitting 570. Yeah. Like, as a team, they have a girl hitting 450. They have Silent Rain Espinosa hitting 370, which, first of all, that is the coolest name It is the best name in college softball. We, We discussed this on EOTR last year. We had a person out in in the Judy Garland when Michigan played Washington last year, and, and they asked around, and apparently that's an, a Native American thing. Um, that that name is, that's where it came from. So yeah, it is, it is a very coolest, cool name. It is the coolest name on this roster by far. Um, and yeah, they Gabby Plain is back as their ace. You know, they're, the pitching staff numbers don't look great, but at least compared to what I was expecting, they still look pretty good. Mm-hmm. Then you factor in strength of schedule, and you kind of remember, yeah... Um, Washington played Wisconsin. Wisconsin got some hits off of them. If if Michigan beats Washington, it'll probably be because they could notch a few hits from a pitching staff that seems slightly mortal and mm-hmm. because Bobian or, or Storacco just has one of those days where they're locked in. 
Um, because what you know, Wisconsin got a lead against Washington, seemed like they might pull off the upset, and then Washington's lineup came roaring back late in that game and, and got the better of them. So it's on the pitching staff to shut down Washington, which, you know, it's a really good lineup, but honestly, that might not be the worst for Michigan. I think Michigan would rather face a team with a great lineup, but lesser pitching than great pitching and a lesser lineup, just in terms of Michigan trusting their staff. But also, they could hit it like five homers, and this could go very poorly. So <laughs> you never know. Last year, it should be noted, of course, Michigan defeated Washington. That was one of the two turning points of the season. That game famous for Natalia Rodriguez's lone home run as a Michigan Wolverine. Uh, I believe the game was 2-2 two to two at that time, and then she hit it to go up 3-2, and Michigan won with that score. It was a massive upset. It was a huge win. If Michigan can beat Washington again, it will be just as huge because they're probably better this year. Um, it'll be interesting to watch. That's They'll be by far the best team Michigan has played this season until they play UCLA later in the week. But until then, that'll be interesting. And then finally, Colorado State, that fifth game. And this kind of kind of reminds me of the Fresno State game um, from Tampa, where Michigan will have just come out of the grinder, having played three straight top 25 teams. And then you've got this, you know, sort of not great, but not terrible team either waiting for you. And, and you have that potential letdown game. And you got to be careful because Colorado State made the tournament last year. They were top 35 in RPI. They got the auto bid from the Mountain West. They got into the regional against Auburn. Um, they've lost to every good team they've played, but they also, you know, are, are a good enough team to, to steal that upset. And Michigan almost got upset by Fresno State. And, and Colorado State, that's a, a dangerous game on sort of the Sunday afternoon once you've already been exhausted playing some really good teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it goes back to that kind of like the uh, USF game where, you know, if they can pull out a win against Color or against Washington, sorry, it's kind of that uh, you know, that's that trap game. You've gotten through the meat of your schedule, and going into that last game, it's like, okay, can we keep this momentum going? Yeah, it's definitely going to be a game in terms of of getting the energy up there for Michigan and, and keeping the compete level high. Um, overall, this is just a fascinating weekend you know it's a weekend that is going to tell us a lot about this michigan team we've seen some of the best of michigan hammering florida we've seen some of the worst last weekend and this is one of those weekends where we we find out what we've got last year i mean last year i was terrified of the judy garman i mean i remember taping the pre-judy garman episode it was a thursday night uh, right before spring break was about to start it was just me and jp and here in this studio no one else even wanted to be on the pod everyone it was, you know, the sky was falling. The team was six and seven. They were staring down UCLA and Washington and also Oregon and Tennessee, two games that didn't get played because of weather last year. And we were like, hopefully we win one game. And then Michigan <laughs> went three and zero in the games they played had two rained out and the season just turned and they got two wins. And those wins are the reason they hosted a regional because they did not do well early in the year to, to pad the resume. They've done better this year, but Again, if they can if they can get either Washington or Texas, that's huge. That that builds your resume. It, it continues to strengthen your case as a regional host. Um, the best case scenario to me is four and one. I'm not going to dream and say five and zero. Oh, you're going to probably lose a game. This is just too deep of a tournament. Um, but four and one, I would be ecstatic with because that guarantees you beat one of Washington or Texas. I think three and two is a medium expectation, while two and three would probably be disappointing because you would leave with no top 25 wins. Yeah. 
you got to beat Colorado State, you got to beat Loyola, and then you have to hope to win at least one of the games. If you win two, that's phenomenal. If not, one is probably okay. This is a tough, tough weekend, and it's going to be illuminating. Yeah, I mean, like you said, five games in a weekend is always tough. Uh, five games that close together, but three or four and one, I would be extremely happy with. You know, obviously, ideal is five and zero, oh, but like you said, you know, you're playing two top three teams yeah. <laughs> and, and another ranked team uh, in Texas Tech and the 25. Those are all very good softball teams. Better of those obviously being Texas and Washington. So if you can pull out a win out of either of those teams, I'm going to lean more uh, more so towards pulling, a win, pulling out a win over Texas just because I'm not as bought in on them or on how good they are. But that would be huge. And especially just a confidence boost going yeah. into the rest of spring break. Um, so that just about does it for this episode. Again, we will be there to cover those games. Um, also, a quick coverage note. We had another donation from a very generous uh, donor on behalf of the uh, M Women Booster Club that has donated quite a bit of money to Michigan women's athletic programs over the past number of years. Uh, we're very thankful for that donation, and as a result, we will can officially announce that we will be covering every Michigan softball game for the remainder of the season. Um, That donation covers the two Big Ten road trips we were not planning on doing, specifically Wisconsin and Penn State, but now those will be covered, and as a result, we will be leaving Charlie in Southern California uh, over spring break, which is Sounds sad, but then you remember it's Southern California. Exactly. Then you remember it's going to be 85 degrees there, and (laughs) school got canceled in Ann Arbor today. So it's like, I'll take it. (laughs) Yeah. So Charlie will be out there. We'll have a new face on the broadcast. Zach Corson is a great young uh, up-and-coming broadcaster as well. We'll be doing the second uh, weekend tournament in the Louisville Slugger tournament. Uh, They will be covering those games, and we'll have an episode in between there, and then obviously one after spring break ends and and Charlie gets back. So that's the coverage plan. Thanks to all those that have continued to donate and show your support. We appreciate it greatly. And if you would like to continue donating, you can always email us at wcbnsportsumich at gmail.com. Otherwise, that just about does it. We will see you in Fullerton. Until then, good night and go blue.